This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven. Robbery homicides take me. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. I'm trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's L.A. crime opus, Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and if you're joining me today, um, I have to say thank you. So if you're listening, you've listened to probably more than 170 episodes of this show, um, you've probably heard me repeat many phrases, anecdotes, uh, nonsense throughout this entire thing. Um, but if you have been fortunate enough to be listening since the very earliest episodes, you would know that I, uh, really assembled this show with three people. Um, and, uh, I like to call us in my head, the easy financing crew. I think if we did have a WhatsApp group, that's what it should be called. Um, so uh, there's the name of that just taken care of. But, um, you know, three of my dearest friends, exceptionally talented people um, and just near and dear to my heart. And if you've listened to the show, you know how much they already mean to me, but I will introduce them as I have want to do with every single show. Um, Right now around the grounds in my new studio, um, you've got Garth Franklin, who is an internet movie news trailblazer. And he's kind of the Ben Bradley of the uh, movie news internet scene at the moment. He's the only one that still has integrity. Everyone else has been in some kind of sex scandal, as far as I'm concerned. If they've been working as long as Garth, they've been involved in a sex scandal. Garth, how, sex how, how can I have not be involved in a sex scandal? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually disappointed. They haven't been reported. They haven't been reported. Ah, that's a bad yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, on to the next one. Uh, you know, this the next g- sex scandal? The, no, no, to the next guest. Uh, the, the next guest... Uh, is uh, the some, night, the night some, is young. We could have more sex. Someone you've heard at the beginning, the middle, and end of this entire story. He's been essential <laughs> to it, um, and his just tenacity and uh, niggling, his wonderful niggling, is a, a huge part of uh, what led me down this garden path. Um, and I love him to bits. If you like to listen to nonsense and movies, uh, you need to listen to his other show, uh, the Cinephiles Podcast, with two inferior legs of the tripod, with <laughs> Stu, the girthy, weight-bearing leg of that tripod. There's a, there's a sex scandal in there. <laughs> so there's something in there. Um, Mediocre one. Um, no, it's not going to get much. <laughs> you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> Take It is Stu Coot. Thank you, Stu, for Thank being you. a part of the show. And finally... Um, I think the most brazenly unique uh, Australian film critic who literally, when I read his work, not only is stellar, articulate, informed, and awesome, It's it has an air of, I don't give a fuck what you think. This is what I think, and I think that that is far too... Uh, far too rare in an industry <laughs> that um, purport, purports to like bring something to the art, and uh, it's a pleasure to have him back in front of me because I haven't seen him in a little while Mr. Luke Buckmaster so welcome to One Eight Minutes well thank you Blake it's a pleasure to be here and I remember actually a couple of years ago when you floated the idea of doing this podcast there was Mojitos involved I there recall was. hastily mm-hmm. yeah uh, there was uh, various different criticisms of the idea <laughs> <laughs> also uh, I believe that you know the words you're a father you're a parent you have two children what are you thinking I think they were all thrown your at you life. they were thrown <laughs> 
there was yeah. there was talk of payment. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that never that never played out. No, 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 that's right. That's right. But like a lot of the um, progressive big thinkers, you know, you, you dance to your own drumbeat, and here we are. How how long later? A year, two years, two years, two years. Two years there you go. Two years later, and you've you six know, houses you, you've created and a, a, a stunning <laughs> success, Blake. You really have, and it's been a an, an, a wonderful privilege to be part of the program but also to listen to it and to watch it progress from strength to strength. Thank it's you, been man. just sensationally entertaining, uh, but kudos to you. Oh, thank you, buddy. That's really, really nice coming from you. So, yeah, I just wanted to get us back together. I thought we would do an interesting format. I thought I would give these three gentlemen a chance to talk about a minute that they didn't get to talk about during the series. I'm just going to let them have carte blanche. Pick a minute. I'm looking across, directly diagonally across from me, and Stu is already no- already knowing. He's like, what if we all pick the Ralph minute, is what he's thinking right now. <laughs> what if we all... See, be- <laughs> I actually, I was getting off the train yesterday, mm. and I thought of my the minute I wanted. Mm. And I'm, I am still annoyed I didn't get to do it, because... <laughs> I was watching it as I was walking up the stairs, which is a dangerous thing to do at the best of times. Mm. You were watching the film as you were walking up the stairs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, on I your would, phone? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I, I, with the headphones. Because that's what Michael Mann wanted you to watch yeah, it on yeah, your yeah, phone. Yeah. Just as Dante's <laughs> yeah. not the intended. Yeah. It was like when I, I watched Godfather 2 for the first time on an iPad. <laughs> While walking somewhere? Or? No, no, I was seated. I was in, <laughs> a, I was in an office, well, but I was like, I thought, this is how Coppola wants me to see it. I think this is... This coming is, to like the most serious yeah. bit and Cheryl from accounting is being... <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry, pause. What was that? Sorry. Yeah. Um, no, so I know my minute. It's not the Ralph minute because that's, that's low-hanging fruit. So okay. Oh, yeah. lucky oh. Ralph. <laughs> All right, guys, first up, uh, Mr. Garth Franklin, can you tell us the minute that we're queuing up and why? Well, it's the break-in scene. Uh, well, we'll play the minute. Can I talk about it? Yeah, it's, it's yep. the 73rd minute. And uh, and you guys are going to listen along, and then we're going to come back and talk about Right there. We walk now. Come on. There it is. Mm. I love this minute because this is, a, of course, the, the point where the film becomes a film. It's like <laughs> they, they just kind of caught in there and be like, bang over the whole movie ends. It. <laughs> but with this. The previous heist with the break-in with the car and all that sort of stuff, that is was just a smash and grab, and that could have been done by any sort of crew. Whereas this thing is like, it's almost like an exquisite heist moment, where it's just it's about the silence of the whole shot. There's no dialogue except for that one little yeah, get, let's get out of here sort of thing, and the framing of those things with both the infrared De Niro in one shot and the outside of the building in the other, and what is essentially a simple mistake causes everything the rest of the movie to basically happen and all the events to cascade from here. 
but it's no, it's just it's just beautifully framed. I love the way that this is specifically shot. That's the, my big thing about this. Mm. And you still need to show them walking away from a yeah. job to show they do have the discipline yes. to do that. Yeah. To actually see it in When practice. he's like right there with, you know, they've basically got hands on the cash. But we are walking yeah. away. Like yeah. that is the discipline. Yeah. It's funny that Chris actually goes, no, I'm right almost there. there. And he's like, no, no we walk. We walk. We walk. We yeah. go. Like, it's funny that he has to reiterate, like, yeah. we, no, we're going. That even because the, the adrenaline's going and he's, we're so yeah. close. Yeah, it's a nice little touch. And isn't that Captain Hydration? Isn't that? Yeah, yeah. Is Captain Hydration. Who is it? Jerry Ford's? Is it Jerry, Jerry Ford's, Ford's son? Yeah. <laughs> Gerald Ford. Yeah. President Gerald Ford's son. Yep. But what is what it could easily be, you know, a raccoon or something like that, just moving, making one tiny little noise. It's the kind of thing that most people would just dismiss. Yeah. And the actual and setting the of it. does, walks away. The settings of it is interesting to see what, mm. like it's a, in terms of the actual staging that anyone else would just see it. To shoot an industrial area like that, yeah, yeah. like to what he does with the shadows, yeah, the and shadows actually having that as a place yeah. to hide, yes, is done so smartly. Mm. Just because what does it tell us about De Niro's character as well? That mm. even though it's nighttime, mm. he's still going to back himself back into into the shadow. He can let you, and yeah. just chill out there, even though there's no one visibly around, yeah. no car noise, yeah. no nothing. Yeah, and having human faces in front of a blank black background really does pronounce the hmm. emotion the features and it's got a slightly kind of chilling effect um, oh the whole thing with the infrared camera has the chilling effect where he's like he doesn't move the whole thing is the face is like catches it and then just stays and just oh <laughs> I just love this I, I tweeted the other day because at the time we were recording this they recently released the the last blood the Rambo last blood trailer oh, yeah, Sylvester yeah. Stallone and one of the things that I wrote, I was like, Rambo talked more in this trailer than he did in the whole of First Blood. <laughs> like, I, I, what I love about this minute and this scene is that, and I love about Michael Mann movies, is there are so many opportunities for exposition and they make he makes calculated choices to just have people convey emotion, thoughts, um, uh, you know, tense, otherwise, fears, um, Without any dialogue, and so that's for me, cin- this is just a, this is like pure visual storytelling. It's, that's what cinema is. That's exactly what <laughs> cinema should be. Like yeah. I think sometimes that that old television adage, or like you know, you know, uh, serial, you know, TV, like Friends or a sitcom or something like that. Everything's about the exposition and the repartee, but this moment is about instinct and fear, and something is wrong. And just show, don't tell. Yes, just people have the faith in your audience that they're gonna work it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like. Someone else would be dumb enough to go, did he hear us? I don't think he heard us. No, let's sit here. He didn't hear us. It's yeah. like, oh, just simple, simple yeah. work. And the music. The music is, is so good. Just Ooh, that one eerie, eerie, eerie tone, uninterrupted. That I, I love I love in this scene, I love uh, Pacino's whip. Like he whips his oh, head, whip head around. Yeah. He whips his head around, like freaks out and then whips it back. And the focus that he comes back with... <laughs> And there's almost, I don't know, um, I, I want to say that there's a raised eyebrow, but I think I'm going to have to go back to the tape because I know that sitting in front of Luke Buckmaster, he's not going to believe that there was a raised eyebrow. I mean, it's contentious things like that, wasn't smile, a smile. Smile gate. Smile, smile gate. <laughs> I mean, if that episode happens, you <laughs> yeah, may or may yeah, not have well, been. You've, you've got to call people to account. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you've got to be diligent here, and that's what that's what's, uh, that's what's underpinned this entire podcast. <laughs> that's what I thought. Taking Michael Mann to task. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Blake Howe. Right? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Well, he's the vehicle we, we, yeah. which we do take. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> But no, I, I I think it's like I'm gonna I'm actually gonna go back because I wanna I wanna see it again um, just to point out the second uh, of of yeah but also being a fantastic ad for L'Oreal with the hair whipping and the and like 
Val Kilmer's hair. <laughs> Val Kilmer's hair, yeah. There's just this like sort of fraction of a second there yeah. where it's 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 maybe 24, 23 seconds in and for the most part you've been watching this intense gaze of Pacino right down the barrel and it's so phenomenally framed that he's just staring right through you. It's not in your eyes, it's not awkward, it's not that weird. Sometimes there's a bit of a tension of, of breaking the fourth wall that it's awkward, but it's just perfectly staring through you and you're in that mindset. And most of the time you're seeing De Niro there in, in, in I call it infra blue. Michael Mann doesn't have infrared, it's infra blue because it's <laughs> blue everything. But just this one little flash that you get of his eyes staring through, I think it has a, a deep relationship with you as he sort of glances past and he just walks and it's, yeah, it's a mm. sublime scene. I just, mm. I love it. I love it to pieces. But uh, yes, my friend who is an Australian uh, federal police officer, he's been on the show, whose surname we redacted for his protection, said this is the moment he would have pinched him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's why there would be no movie if, mm. if, if we stuck to the authenticity of the uh, criminal experience. <laughs> would be We'd pinch him right here as attempted breaking out and get him off the street and start working the next day. So he case. doesn't have coffee with his criminal... No. No, no, he doesn't, doesn't have a big chin wag and a, I'll get you and you'll oh, get yeah. me. And Chasing each other around the block. Yeah, you nah. don't do that. No, wow. not, not quite yet. Not quite Damn yet. Damn reality. It's a whole, but it is also the first scene in the film where it's an actual confrontation between the two, even though it doesn't actually happen yeah. in terms of physical reality. 73 minutes. It's all through the, the media, but yeah, yeah it's, it's the first time. It's tremendous. And it's not that long after the where they say it's the criminal convention when they're on the rooftop. No, it's not, not that long. No. Like it shows how well they got off everyone, mm. got their, got all the comms, got all the surveillance devices in. Um, yeah, they reeled them in very quickly once they they got the the first break. And mm. it does but, a, and, a nice callback to the whole line of the, one of the lines that we did together, which is: Are there any high line burglary, um, high end burglaries that have mystified us? Mm. And this is precisely one of those things that's a high end burglary that would have mystified them had they not been looking for, for a crew like this. But also, it's like a nice counterpoint because you have the scene after with the docks is shortly after this one, isn't the point? Yeah, here where you have far away. they've swapped positions where De Niro is the one staking him out, and unlike you know Pacino, he doesn't fail at his job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he, yeah, he does exactly what well, he, he wants. Asked that he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Well, there we go. That was a nice, short and sharp uh, mm. uh, digression into a wonderful minute. Now, Stu, your minute, the minute in question. That you're desperate to talk about. Yeah, meeting Torino and his brother in the club. We're going to go back in time. Take a listen. Before we even get into that, there's this cool ripping rides all along the beach areas. All right? Now, the back of a trim shop on Irvine, if somebody wants to pay a little visit this weekend, they might find two turbos and a 911 slope. You're looking to rid yourself of your competition. Hey, I'm a good citizen. I'm Donald Duck. So you got something to tell me or what? Check this out, cuz. How do I know if I tell you what you need to know, you're gonna do what the fuck I need to get done? Richard, Manhattan is straight up, man. We do business all the time. I ain't your cuz, you rat motherfucker. And you know cuz I say so. After, I hear what the fuck you gotta tell me. Look here, man. You understand what I'm saying? I get killed for telling you this shit. Kill walking your doggy. All right. This cat I was locked up with in post. Did a couple, two, three years. He got out. I ran into him. And so, he's a big fiend for action. 
Now, if he'd have said nothing, I'd have thought nothing. But he goes on and on running down to me how he ain't been doing nothing and nothing's been going on and all this other bullshit. So right then and there, I know this cat's got something going down. Pretty fucking great. Albert, what's wrong with you? You drag me here, waste my time like this. You saw a guy on the street who's an ex-con. That's right. Well, I am over fucking well. What do you want for that, a junior G-man badge? Look here, man, you gonna make the call on them portions or what? Is you kidding me? All right, we broke the discipline. We had to. We just had to we run had to. two minutes of that scene. It is such a glorious scene. <laughs> the reason I love this is 47th, 48th minute. It's wonderful. For my own podcast recently, I've had to revisit Basic Instinct and The Bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Two great Got episodes. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't sound like a chore. That's no. Like a <laughs> I'm talking to Luke like he doesn't know, like he hasn't listened to them already. <laughs> First download was Mr. Buckmaster. Yeah. But anyway, just the Absolutely. 90s clubs. Mm. Oh, like, 90s clubs yeah, are yeah. good. Yeah. In the bo- both of those. Playing, yeah, not, they got that, but it's always the eclectic, like there's like people either in leather stuff, there's people yeah. in grunge. Yeah. Especially, there's the basic instinct one. The oh, which un- has all the purple lighting, all the flashing. Oh, yeah. the unisex toilet yeah, that's yeah. really a coke den, yeah. which is not very sanitary. It's but <laughs> this most of the toilets are coke dens in the right or wrong. Look, I don't want to. I don't want to, to generalise. And to be fair, a lot not, of them are. To right. be fair, nineties yeah. movies, yeah. nightclubs are not sanitary. Period. It's so good. <laughs> but to go into I this, think this is evidence of Australia lagging because I'm sure I went in the two thousand and te- early two thousand and tens, and there was still unisex coke den nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I love that you go to this club and it's House of Pain playing and you're like, oh, that seems a bit at odds with what this place is sort of going for at the bottom of a Chinese uh, restaurant downstairs with metal detectors. But I love, I love just Albert like watching exactly where the conversation's going and he's waiting for his brother to actually say something relevant. Like, going, I know Hannah. And I've dragged him down here at three o'clock in the morning. I love when he's just looking at him like, please it's, say it's, something. It's my, it's please my, say it's something my, good for you. It's my favourite reaction. One of my favourite reactions in the whole movie of Hannah. Looking at him, looking at Richard's at Tone Loke, looking at him like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Then pivoting to Albert. Albert is nodding yeah, like I, it's the greatest idea he's ever heard or the greatest piece of information. And then he looks back and goes, like, instantaneously realises the tact he's going to take with it. But, Pretty fucking great. Albert, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and not to in, like, you know, there's the, the look in Avengers Endgame when Ant-Man's, Thor's telling his depressed story and Ant-Man's doing that sort of smile. Like, Paul Rudd does that look where he's smiling and lo- along with the story, like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. And it, Albert does it so well. And I just... I love how well Pacino shuts him down. Oh, and, it's beautiful. And you get shot walking your doggy. <laughs> I love that. An, Al Pacino has an art in shutting people down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, he, and he's got this wonderful ability, as we've seen in this scene, of not so much listening to somebody as not tolerating what they're saying <laughs> and waiting. Yeah. You know, there's, the, there's the, the whole kind of like idea that some, you know, some people are just 
they're listening and other people are waiting for their turn to speak. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite sure exactly where El Pacino falls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think there's a large part he's waiting for his yeah. turn to speak. Yeah. But he also hears and he listens. Can I, can I read the three of you? One of my favourite bits of correspondence that I've almost ever received on this show. One of the great things is that people have been involved and they're sending through stuff. I got this note and it says, Subject, I'm terrified. Message. I recently got a dog for my young children and I've been tasked with walking the dog. My question to you is, can you really get shot while walking your doggy? <laughs> that is the whole message. That is that is a one heat minute fan. That is a diehard fan of this movie. And I responded back and said, that might be the funniest email I think I've ever received. And since then, I've been in touch with that person. Their name has obviously been redacted also. No, no, no. I don't know if it's their real name. And I don't know if, it's, if I'm going to pronounce it right, but it's like Shimon or Shaman or sure. something like that. But... Holy shit, Shimon is Shimon, whoever, well, however you yeah. pronounce it. If you're still with us, get, you, get the dog, have... walk it, and be proud of the dog. It'll give <laughs> yes. you a lot of satisfaction. So. Yes. And, you're, and, a, you're a dog owner. You I'm, must I'm have... a dog lover. Dog yeah. lover. I'm a dog lover. Yeah, dog but lover. you've never experienced any sort of any drive-by... Drive-by shooting. <laughs> <laughs> Shootings on my dog. No, um, or on yourself for that. <laughs> you, you seem intact. No, no. But, uh, but whenever no I... No hairy of, moments? If I, so my dog is a Jack Russell, but she's mm. very sort of cute and elegant looking Jack Russell too. Um, so basically, I, if I go to the supermarket, I don't want to tie her up outside. I'm just mm. too paranoid that someone's going to steal it. Yeah. Um, it. My beloved dog. Bessie. Thank you. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you, Stuart. So, yeah, my, my advice to, uh, I was going to say to your caller, but this is a, uh, actually not a live radio program. No. <laughs> but my advice to it's your email not. there oh. <laughs> uh, is that, you know, get the dog and, and You bring me out here. Yeah. Waste yeah. my time like don't this, but no one call in podcast. down because the joy it will give you is, um, yes. you know, profound. Yes. Alternatively, as uh, someone an ex Doberman, I get a big dog. No one, no one will try and shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and if we learn anything from John Wick Three, Parabellum, just get two Belgian yeah, Malinois, really <laughs> dogs, <laughs> who will throw people around like rag dolls. Did Tony Locke do anything else? Because he's uh, pretty good in this. Like, oh, I mean acting wise. Yeah, oh, I like I think he holds his own. Yeah, it's a it's an, a wonderful kind of voice. Yeah, whole, oh, his mm, voice yeah. is just. Yeah. But he had to do... It's like someone's been licking cigarettes for about 30 years. <laughs> of the two, I prefer him to Henry Rollins in this. Henry Rollins had more to do. Yeah, Henry Rollins definitely has more to do. The yeah. time has to come in for like a minute. And he nails it with what Hits he... the magic out. I'm just, um, I'm just vamping vamp vamp for me while I'm I do IMDb love that. I do love the look when like Hannah just leans back. It's just <laughs> like, wow, like, I'm out fucking stiff. But you had to hold your own against Al Pacino, wouldn't it? And, I, and, and I do wonder, what, like, when they call cut and, you know, the actors reset and reality kicks back in and we talk to each other like we're not in a movie set and whatnot, what Al Pacino would be like. But, you know, I, I, I actually have no idea. I haven't seen any behind-the-scenes footage or anything like that. There's a wonderful interview, uh, and I, I can't remember the publication, but I definitely talked to Katie Walsh about it, and I think I talked to Fran Hoffner about it around... Henry Rollins did an interview about his time on set and saying that um, particularly the scene where um, Pacino has to throw Hugh Benny through the window, and mm-hmm. um, he had to be... Uh, uh, Henry Rollins had to be tied up for a long time. They were doing multiple scenes with him handcuffed to, like, a chair or something like that mm-hmm. on the balcony. 
And in all the cuts, because it just was going on and it was quite a long night, he said Pacino was sitting next to him on the floor, like just hanging out, like talking mm. to him and they were having like a great chat and they were really interested in one another and they were just sort of, you know, shooting the shit and having a whole a whole heap of fun. And then like they'd get up and do the intense scene and then Pacino would be back down sitting next to him, you know, rubbing shoulders. So like that's the kind of guy that he feels like very natural, gregarious, fun, takes his process seriously, but also doesn't, he's unlike his contemporary in this movie, you know, he's, he's his counterpoint um, in De Niro, who's much more focused and sort of needs to be maintaining character and mood and, and tension to sort of keep on point with his delivery. Pacino mm-hmm. seems like uh, a bit more of a, thea- a classically theatrical actor who can go in and then jump out and go in and do out. But so. also, I don't think we get those appreciations for those nights that are like, or the days like, Sixteen-hour day. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, yeah. To do to do, do the various shooting, things yeah. you got to do, so there'd be yeah. so much downtime, or so much yes. waiting around for and things to get set up for different shots. That's if, always the way of film production. If you've ever worked in one of those industries, like mine, is like there's so much downtime and can be waiting, like can be hours upon hours, and you're just sitting there mm. shooting the shit. I can imagine for, it'd be a pleasure to be working with someone who was interesting to able talk to, or able <laughs> to step back from it, yeah. as opposed to like you know. Mm. Being a Daniel Day Lewis who like well, was someone that's so intense so all the time, kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. like you'd be like, oh, mate, do you want a coffee? Method or? actors would be really annoying to work with, wouldn't they? Well, I'm a method podcaster. <laughs> like, it's, what is a method podcaster? Does that mean you talk only if it, if there's a microphone there? Ah, uh, what do you mean? You transfer <laughs> it across. <laughs> the so well, I can't podcast any other way. Ah, ah. Oh, but if but you can talk any any other way. Yeah, so if there's but, no microphone. You still talk. Yeah. But just when I'm podcasting, there needs to be a microphone there to record. Uh, it yes. doesn't mean he. That's, went... Listen, that's just my style. Yeah, no, look, it's that's how I. It's, it's how pretty, I was. It's, it's how pretty I, wild. It's uh, a. It, it's a. It's a newer school. Yeah, my oh, yeah. the, the year of Tone Loke was '93. He did Posse and then Poetic Justice uh, and yeah. and then Surf Ninjas of the <laughs> South China Sea, which oh, yeah. is. Which, and you get us in here talking heat, aka yeah. Surf Ninjas, <laughs> aka Surf Ninjas for folks in Australia. He was then. Um, Ace Ventura, Ace Ventura yes, Pet Detective, right. Blank Check, um, and then uh, later on he did a couple of episodes of News Radio Heat, and then Spy Hard was the last big one. And there's lots of things that just like fell yeah. off the the map there. There one of his most, one of his most recent acting credits in a, something called Not Cool was Pedestrian Number no. Two. So <laughs> classic of the genre. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, there we go, Mr. Buckmaster. It, sorry, just a was it. Pedestrian number two is in the sequel. No, or... pedestrian number two is his role. Mm. Ah, ah, sorry. Yeah, in what film? Uh, what was it called? Yeah. It was that out again. Let's have a look at the records. Yep. Not, not cool. Not cool. Not cool. Pedestrian. Number two. Okay. Yep. No. We've not, got that. Not cool. Now. Appreciate that. I got a feeling it wasn't a. There weren't many lines. A group well, of modern day, day except the ones he was crossing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, it has a, a score of one on Metacritic. Oh, for yeah, four years. That's actually pretty. That's a how many how many reviews? Four. Oh, four. That's a small sample. Yeah. Yeah. Audience five thousand five thousand ratings, four and a half out of ten on IMDb, which like is a very generous audience uh, raters. But uh, people are you, you know, usually got their finger on the pulse. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <they're not. laughs> As I remind everyone, Aladdin made two hundred million dollars yeah, last yeah, weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, 
I'm no, waiting to I... see how much Luke is going to say. And uh, no, he didn't. He didn't <laughs> Not taking that bait. Didn't take the bait. No, we're in that same boat together. I know. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I read. We're on the magic carpet ride. Yeah. <laughs> we're one off. Yeah, we're, we're ta- one off. We're, we're taking we've had enough. We're taking down the mouse house. Yeah. So, um, no, I do love this scene. This is just um, there's something about Hannah. Is just he's on fire. Yeah, he's on fire in yeah. this minute. And again, we see the like the physical dominance. Of like we've seen him talk down to people throughout all this when he's got the power, and for him to actually put the hand over when he's calling him like a he rat. doesn't care. Yeah, he, uh, he's treating them like shit. Yeah, and now Albert knows. Albert knows what he's capable of. <laughs> Albert's already had his, <laughs> yeah. his breakfast shaken yeah. to the ground this morning, um, so he's ready to rock and roll. Mister Buckmaster, last but most certainly not least. Yes. Uh, well, so in terms of the the minute to rewatch, uh, so when you when you think about heat and you you know you, you consider the the most memorable scenes, there there are some scenes that jump out in the memory more than most. And if you, if you're um, particularly you know given the task of picking a minute, uh, you you might be accused of being you know cliche or or predictable or whatnot um, with your scene selection. So uh, I just want to put that as a context around this. However. Um, as someone who is occasionally uh, called a cynical person, and when, <laughs> you? I, and when I'm called a cynical person, obviously my response would be, you're wrong, and that reflects a bad thing about humankind that you would even say that. You, uh, now, you now have the catchphrase you can say, well, I, I reject it? your hypothesis. I reject the hypothesis. <laughs> yeah. Your hypothesis. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love... Can I say... Hypothesis is a bit... It's can I just say, sort of I love that as a response. I don't think that's a bad response. If someone asks you a question that you know is a clickbait, bullshit trap question yeah, it's, it's and you don't res- agree with what they're saying it is actually quite an elegant way response. to dance out Obviously, of it it's Tarantino that you're referencing yeah uh, but it needs a second act like in that press conference for Once Upon a Time well he's going to because he's going to film it in the 70 mil the... and it's going to take it'll be the roadshow version <laughs> like Robbie Robbie talking and, and she, you can see the way she was saying she's like oh, I'm just going to do the talking here and QT is going to be fuming on the side or are you saying he should have stepped in and said I just stop talking it, don't it, acknowledge it just needs a second act um, that's what I'm saying yeah. but anyway so the, the task of choosing the minute um, having been occasionally described as a single person I'm also very nostalgic and I remember a time not so long ago where we were all together talking mm. about mm. a minute. And I know that the way you said it was, you know, the, the, I think you said the minute that you're desperate to talk about. That's I think that's about how you said it. Yeah. So that's fine. So the minute I am desperate to relive the wonderful time that we all shared together uh, talking at Sydney Film Festival, we looked at the diner scene. And of course it is... <laughs> Um, the cliche scene, if you if you want to call it that, or the predictable scene, but it also speaks to the strengths of a film, which is this uh, sprawling concrete playground of a crime movie, where most people or many people will come out of that experience, and what will they remember? They'll remember two people, as in in terms of the potent scenes, big scenes. They'll remember two people sitting down, having a coffee, and talking. And to be able to construct such a massive dramatic experience around such a prosaic moment, uh, I just think speaks to the film's strengths. So I understand it's a predictable or cliche choice, but I couldn't resist, gentlemen. I couldn't. I love it. Let's play the whole fucking scene. (laughs) And many times our conversation here, because we're always across the table from these two, Mm -hmm. I just don't know if we're De Niro or Pacino. Yeah, we are. They're always pitted against yeah. each other. Yeah, I, I think. think we're Pacino together. Yeah, yeah, and that, I think they're yeah. De Niro. Yeah, 
Garth yeah. looks pretty shocked. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing his hair. Yeah, they're the quiet, they're the silent types, yeah, and we're the yeah. gregarious sort yeah. of like yes. Yes. emotional. Right. Yeah. 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 And we'll, we'll listen and tolerate you for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When given a moment to speak. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. 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 And then both of you. Blake, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Here we go. Let's watch this scene together. This is uh, this is actually a perfect way to uh, to almost wrap up this entire series to watch the scene of the, the film scene. with my legends, my crew. Here we go. McNeil is tough as they say. You looking to become a penologist? You looking to go back? You know, I chase down some crews. Guys just looking to fuck up, get busted back. And you? You must have worked some dipshit crews. I worked all kinds. You see me doing thrill seeker liquor store holdups with a born to lose tattoo on my chest? No, I do not. Right. I am never going back. Then don't take down scores. I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best, trying to stop guys like me. So you never wanted a regular type life? The fuck is that? Barbecues and ball games? Yeah. This regular type life, that your life? My life? No, my life. No, my life's a disaster zone. I got a stepdaughter so fucked up because her real father's this large type asshole. I got a wife. We're passing each other on the downslope of a marriage, my third. Because I spend all my time chasing guys like you around the block. That's my life. Guy told me one time. Don't let yourself get attached to anything you are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around a corner. Now, if you're around me and you got to move when I move, how do you expect to keep a, a marriage? Well, that's an interesting point. What are you, a monk? I have a woman. What do you tell her? I tell her I'm a salesman. So then if you spot me coming around that corner, you're just gonna walk out on this woman? Not say goodbye? That's the discipline. That's pretty vacant, though. Yeah, it is what it is. It's that or we both better go do something else, pal. I don't know how to do anything else. Neither do I. I don't much want to either. Neither do I. You know, I have this uh, recurring dream. I'm sitting at this big banquet table, and all the victims of all the murders I ever worked are sitting at this table, and they're staring at me with these black eyeballs because they got eight ball hemorrhages from the head wounds. And there they are, these big, 
balloon people because I found them two weeks after they'd been under the bed. The neighbors reported the smell. And there they are, all of them just sitting there. What do they say? Nothing. No talk? None. Just, they don't have anything to say. See, we just look at each other. They look at me. And that's it. That's the dream. I have one where I'm drowning. And I gotta wake myself up and stop breathing or I'll die in my sleep. You know what that's about? Yeah. Having enough time. Enough time to do what you want to do? That's right. You doing it now? Not, not yet. You know, we're sitting here, you and I are like a couple of regular fellows. I mean, you do what you do, I do what I gotta do. And now that we've been face to face, if I'm there and I gotta put you away, I won't like it. But I'll tell you, if it's between you and some poor bastard whose wife you're going to turn into a widow. Brother, you are going down. There's a flip side to that coin. What if you do got me boxed in? Then I got to put you down. Because no matter what, you will not get in my way. We've been face to face, yeah. But I will not hesitate, not for a second. Maybe that's the way it'll be. Well, maybe we'll never see each other again. Just breaking fucking rules it's in a, the end of this podcast. It's a terrible, <laughs> it's a terrible sort of feeling to end the first date with someone <laughs> yeah. saying, "Maybe we'll never see each other again." It's like oh, I thought I had a connection, I had a connection, and then we shared some I dreams, threatening to kill you with the word. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing you again, but then again, I, then again, brother, you are going down is a, is a good line on the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it's the centerpiece scene, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it even explains the title. Mm. Uh, and it's funny when I remember that scene and when it kind of plays over in my mind, I recall those guys talking to each other and no one else being around them. I just recall this empty blank space, and it's just Pacino and De Niro. But then, of course, when you watch the scene, it's a busy, crowded... Very quiet diner. Very... Well, it's actually yeah. quite crowded. Yes, yeah, yeah. quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> deliberately, oh, yeah, yeah. deliberately. Uh, at the start of the scene, it sort of seems louder, and I think yeah. it's cleverly... Mm. Masked. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the noise of the surroundings becomes a little bit more diluted and, and, and quietened. Mm-hmm. It's a classic that... nightclub trick where you film a lot of movie scenes in nightclubs where you hear a conversation between two people. They'll always 
lower the volume of the general sort of outside things and so you have a lot of people extras dancing to nothing yeah, the yeah just yeah. to get the effect yeah. but then when they walk into the club there's the establishing moment mm. where it's louder and yeah yeah absolutely yeah and I know we I you know we just had it with the Game of Thrones um, season 8 where everyone everyone's go to is like oh the writing's terrible the writing it's all like but then when you see how well that script is written. I know the the dream stuff was a bit of improv from completely improv um, between the two of them. Completely improv. The dream sequences were not in the original script, but They're leading not, in, not even in the shooting draft. The third shooting draft in March of '95, which is amazing. Amazing, yeah. Wow. It was completely organically created by both these wow. guys. But wow. leading up to that, the sort of the tension and then the 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 little break where mm. they just become. And so it's led by Pacino, mm. and there's just the way it's sort of the little push pull of the the writing, and then mm. when he finally sort of when they sort of both calm down, and that's written into written into it so well. And I just it is exceptionally mm. put together. Mm. Um, and see, I think it's so funny when it's when it started. The actual diner looks probably nicer than it is. Like the people <laughs> in the back are all like in white shirts and ties it looks like a trendy restaurant <laughs> yeah but then there's a bottle of ketchup on the table and i'm always like oh this just it feels it feels weird it feels like it's uh, they, they're spending too yeah, much money it's... on too many staff and their uniforms or they're just a rinky dink diner i just see it's one thing i think in america you you do expect the ketchup on the table some condiments yeah, it's pretty good yeah, it's pretty good yeah. ketchup and maybe your mustard yeah. yeah but they could have taken it out of the bottle and put it in a nice glass container or something yeah sure. or a squeezy yeah. bottle yeah are you saying are you saying they should have had a squeezy bottle or a non-squeezy bottle i'm not even sure i just <laughs> i just find it weird that they, they're too well dressed for having a bottle of sauce on the table so you feel that the ketchup bottle sort of takes away from the integrity of their moment almost or it show yeah, well or just I, I just don't find the this diner's There's no too dignity honest. with yeah. the ketchup yeah. is that, you're saying no it's dishonest to have ketchup on the table at a no day. I'm just saying that this I wish I'm this, dignified I think you're saying something yeah it's like well they it's either disingenuous ketchup well no it's a, <laughs> I don't know if the place is either not being honest about what their actual calibre they're at we don't know what the menu is. So no, but I just look at the look at the bar staff in the back, yeah, and they're yeah. all like, you know, but, but and they're serving wine glasses, and then you've like, but if it's in a co- yeah, if it's yeah, in a corporate it's environment, though, plenty of people will sneak down to like a you know a meat eatery sort of like meat and potatoes coffee shop that has great diner food, and they're all looking to the nines because they're dressed in corporate attire. So mm. maybe it's just one no, of no. The staff, the staff are dressed, ah. dressed impeccably. Ah. It also like, comes down to what dishes you would apply to the ketchup. So, yeah. it, it, chips, obviously. Yeah. Yes. But what else? Exactly. There's not too many things that you'll put True. a splash of sauce on. So, yeah. you would want a <laughs> chip-heavy menu. To, exactly. To, to yeah. If, yeah. if it yeah. doesn't have a lot of fries yeah. everywhere, I'd, I don't want to In a place that. like this, yeah. I just expect it to be in a little side dish when it comes out yeah, with the chips. Okay. And where but you're saying, this this place, it's more like your T-bone steak. Maybe, yeah. Who knows? And like you wouldn't. These aren't too fast to put places, ketchup on steak. You go to some American that was like, say, Johnny Rockets, for example, which is just the old fifties burgers. And yeah, burgers, and yet they're all impeccably dressed in like crisp white shirts and white hats and all this sort of stuff. It could be a themed restaurant for all. <laughs> We've got to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not moving, we're not leaving here until, <laughs> until we get to the bottom of this. No, but I do. I, I, I love that look. 
the one that Pacino when he first does the, that cheeky smile, mm. and it cuts to him, and that the one that's the one that sort of breaks De Niro as well. Yeah, like well, he it, does it, that. But it's, look, but, it's all, but it's also he does that look back smirk sort it of thing. Com- it comes back off of an extremely, uh, extremely candid moment. He's mm. like, I'm on the downside of marriage, my third. Mm. Yeah, but that's because that, I chase guys around your life. Mm. That's my life. Yeah. And then he goes mm, and just smiles at him. But that was a beautiful thing with that moment was because earlier in the thing, maybe a few minutes before, De Niro gets the whole psychological profile, essentially, of Pacino's yeah. character. Yeah. And it feels like he has an advantage. And then Pacino just says, yeah, that's exactly what my life that's is. That's exactly what my life is. Mm. The fuck is that? Barbecues and bowl games. It's <laughs> an interesting thing as well with, um, if you're remembering back to Unbreakable, when they do the date night, Mm, and yes. there's that cool shot. There's the establishing shot. They're in the bar. They're sitting at the bar. And the establishing shot is like from the other... And it really just edges in. Yeah. This this starts quite wide. Mm. And then by the end, we are just there. And I like that. That's when the noise of the diner is sort of dulled. Yeah. And it is... The, and it really feels like we are... And I like how Pacino's always closing the space. Yeah. But De Niro never mirrors him to come in. Because naturally Niro- in a conversation, you expect... To draw someone in, and De Niro's like, mm, I'm not playing this game. No, De Niro doesn't like, play I'm, it, but De Niro like, doesn't play it, but he definitely sits back. He sits into it and he straightens his posture and he turns his head. Yeah, but but Pacino's got the more dynamic. And he's, um, the dynamic. Uh, he's trying to chip away at him. Yes, to like yeah, and he's not letting him in, even even when they sh- like swap the personal stories. He's not really just no, my. But fav- he does relax a little. Yeah, he's yeah. In the body just... My favorite. I, I I read about it in there's a a wonderful. Um, uh, Sydney-based uh, university performance theorist named George Cavaris, who called he, he talked about punctuative gestures, so using facial expressions and gestures to sort of punctuate different sentences. And I heard the phrase a long time ago, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a weird phrase, and you don't hear it a lot. But the sort of quintessential punctuative gesture for me is like so when you spot me coming around that corner. Boom. And he just has this, mm. his chin moves is like, it's like the most perfect ellipses to mm. a sentence mm. because it literally is, it, it, it manufactures a pause in the conversation mm. and it's a pause in the dialogue. And it just, I think it, you know, when I watch this scene and I, I cannot even fathom how many fucking times I've watched this scene. But when I watch this scene and I watch them together, I'm like, there are, there are maneuvers and things that these guys are doing with instinct and effortlessness and just like, and because they're in some kind of flow state that other actors, I don't ever like it's when I watch these guys, I imagine there's one time where I rolled with my black belt. What used to be my black belt professor at Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, professor Fabio. And one time he was rolling with me and he knew that I was getting better. So one time he grabbed me and he goes, okay, Blake, we're going to do the countdown until I tap you out. Okay. And I'm like, okay. We hadn't even touched each other at this point. We clap hands. And he goes, 10, 9, 8, <laughs> 7. And I'm trying to like just get away from him. And he's like, 6, 5. We finally tussle. 4, 3, 2, and as predicted, I'm tapped out. And I think that these guys are on that level. Do you think that- it's good luck or good management sometimes? For, for these two guys? Absolutely both. Like, do you think it's like that we do we pour so much importance into every wince and every half oh, a, look, or is it this? If you put anything under the microscope for long enough, you'll start to it'll start to look no. like you could. Uh, I, I think that's the mastery of this movie. Like now, this is the second time 
maybe third time that we're, mm. you know, second time certainly that we've tussled with one of the minutes of this. It's definitely, you know, many times that I've tussled with this this particular scene. I actually genuinely think there are plenty of scenes that you can relive. And I love what Luke was talking about, taking a prosaic activity and elevating mm. it to the centerpiece of a massive drama. Yeah. There are plenty of movies that do it. I just genuinely don't think that... that I think one of its formal uh, formal choices, like giving a platform for great actors to just act in a space that really highlights every maneuver, every gesture, everything they're doing, because a lot of the... It's framing, you know? Like you mm. said, the frame sort of in this glacial pace sort of closes in and by the end of it you are like you know in a in a one shot earlier i think what they famously call like a montana which is like a second button shot um uh, uh at your at your chest height and above your head is kind of where it starts and it kind of glacially goes in in a, like in an inexplicable way i think it's that formal choice i think it's the takes you know michael mann famously talks about take 11 so building them into an, a rhythm this was take 11 take 11 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's get, the other thing we don't know. I wonder how much mm. is that in, if it's that take in its entirety, or if this is a frame. No, he's it, no, the... no. He says it's mostly take eleven. Okay. Um, he says it's mostly take eleven from his memory. Actually, it's one of the funny things if you research heat. This tra- uh, there's a heat trailer mm. where uh, I think it's like the second or third trailer. There's a De Niro line delivery from an alternate take yeah. of uh, this, yeah. so, and it's yeah. really pronounced for a psychopath like myself who's yeah, yeah. done this exercise, because I'm like, oh, that's not that take. It's another take. Because I, I haven't watched it in a long time, but I almost... And I might go home and just bring the scene up tonight. I haven't watched the conversation Hunger in a long time. Oh, Hunger's a... Like, because hung, that's, show, that's showier, though. It's a start with... They do the... They're a bit showier before they settle into hmm. getting into it, whereas... This is not showy at no. all. This is really restrained. That's also a much longer scene, though. Yeah, it's like, like 25, 25 minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah hunger's, but hunger's, they toy with each other a yeah. bit more before. Yeah. It, like. and, and yeah, they're setting the mood, like the cigarette smoke and the light, the, the blinding glare coming into that room, that that space that they're in in the prison. Mm. Also, how yeah. you know sets a mood. But yeah, like it's a very. I think it's form. I think it's performance. I think it's flow. And I and one of the things that um and this is you know when Stu you just brought up a good point. It's like sometimes you read into it because you're scrutinising something to death. And I think that one of the things that the that they were talking about with Diane Venora when she was being Q and A'd at the famous Academy Awards screening that had you know I think for the twentieth anniversary for the four K release. Mm. They're talking about Diane Venora, to Diane Venora about you know what it was like how you know how she fashioned a character and she's very much a theatrical performer too. So she. Was like it was on the page. Like that's the thing about this script. Mm. So much of it was already there that what we were able to elevate and do. It wasn't like I was trying to rewrite the script or redo the lines or re re readjust. It was like the script was excellent. I got to go and deliver great dialogue, and then if I because I was delivering great dialogue effortlessly, I then can elevate my game because I'm not I'm not lumbering along with mm. shit that is not mm. bouncing off of the page or bouncing off of the people that I'm working with it's like I'm just jiving and there are great people across from me and there's great chemistry and I, I just and you know uh, I think about it still you know I, in a in a in a thesis that I wrote on this I spent a lot of time analyzing every part of this scene um, but I even remember being in awe of Nick James, who did, I think, the 95th minute with me, who wrote the actual BFI, um, uh, mm. Sight and Sound BFI. He's the editor of Sight and Sound, Nick James. And he said, I, I t- did an exercise where I literally wrote every gesture. And he's like, he was right, and he re- reads it out on the podcast. If you ever get a chance to listen, it's back in episode 95. And it, it was just so amazing. Like, he's like, glance left. 
you know, glance right. Like, he was like literally going through every you know, pursed lip, everything. And it's like, when you actually map it out, you're like, no, they're just doing way more than normal people do in a scene because they're getting an opportunity to tussle with like their greatest mm. contemporary. Mm. They're just trying to ex- ex- exercise every part of their craft because they've got someone who's bouncing off of them with energy across from them that's giving them something else that's just not, just doesn't happen. Is it your favourite scene of the film? Would you say? No. What? Well, where's your favourite? My favourite's the final scene. That, yeah. My favourite yeah. is absolutely the final scene. Mm-hmm. I think it has, um, you know, uh, we were talking about Tarantino before, and one word that Tarantino, like, re... Uh, you know, sometimes people will say, like, a great word in, in a descriptor of a film, and you just sort of, like, it elevates that word and that and that, and that that concept for you. And I think he, he talked about um, David Michaud's The Rover mm-hmm. and talked about it as sort of an elemental neo-Western sci-fi thing. Like, you know, you look at a a Mad Max and we're talking to Mr. Mad Max across the table from me right now. Um, You're talking about those... (laughs) Um, He's talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mr. Buckmaster. Um, But you talk about those elemental uh, things that happen. And I think that what this movie does is, you know, we, we just elevated this scene because it's elevating, you know, something prosaic. And that is taking that old white hat, black hat, you know, concept, um, and and it, it essentially is what retrofits the entire movie to that moment. But I think it's it it also just does so much to infuse everything that we've seen for like 163 minutes into the power of that scene. So every gesture, every moment, every interaction, it is all just carrying this collective weight of the movie, and I just adore it. I adore it for its vision, for its silence for its lack of dialogue, um, for just its resonance and, and for things like the, just the, what the choices that the actors get to make the score mm-hmm. and, um, it, it moves me, it floors me. And, um, I've been really lucky because, uh, not only this entire process, this show, um, uh, I, I thought that the final minute of the movie pre credits, um, which, if you're listening to this episode right now, you've heard is a four or maybe five, <laughs> maybe five part unpacking and examination of a single minute with four or maybe five <laughs> guests. <laughs> maybe I five. I'm so confused. Uh, um, <laughs> because these guests that we talked about that may or may not have appeared. Oh, may yes. or may not have appeared. Yes. So let's talk about the 165th minute. The hundred and I'll, and I'll just I'll just read you the sequence. So if you if you guys are now listening to the very first episode, you're gonna feel lost because we've broken all the rules. Imagine and- that. Imagine if this was your first. Like you're coming in. <laughs> About a podcast that's breaking down yeah. minute by minute, and you jump in in the credits. Jump in at this point, you're yeah, fucked. Yeah. 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 What were you thinking? <laughs> Anyone who's listening to that, is that what you did? Well, last time I was on with Garth, we, we just challenged people to stop listening. Yeah. <laughs> if, that is, if, if that is them. If that yes, is that's true. Do we challenge them to stop listening again? Well, so we're about 40 minutes They've got the right to stay. You know, it's like people who jump to the end of a book. It's like, yeah, what the hell are you doing? Do you earn the right to keep listening? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we're still in minutes. How dare you? So literally from the airport, we've got a great, um, a great New York, um, New York Times critic, 
um, and uh, in Cameron Austin Collins, um, K. Austin Collins, if you guys know him, Andy Hazel, um, who's a, a writer for The Monthly in Oz and does um, a really terrific podcast called Cultural Capital um, and also works alongside with the Melbourne International Film Festival, Reed Coleman, the author of the upcoming Heat prequel novel, who you would have heard some amazing stuff from, and, uh, and I can tell you right now off air, he told me way more than you guys heard. Um, so, uh, Walter Chaw then comes on for a minute, 163, who I think is arguably one of the greatest film critics alive. Um, he's just absolutely stellar and, uh, I'm so grateful for his, for his participation. Um, one of the greatest Australian film critics working today and overheat fan Craig Matheson comes on for minute 164, if you've heard that. But, so I was going through almost sequentially getting these lovely guests and, uh, Travis Woods, who I deeply admire, I think is probably one of the emerging up-and-coming voices um, of especially long-form criticism, writing a lot for um, Cinephilia and Beyond and particularly Brightwall Darkroom, doing some amazing pieces. His most recent one is a Sorcerer piece, which I definitely highly recommend. Um, That's still a rewatch. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. It holds up so well. His his, his previous uh, writing was on Inherent Vice, and it's just stunning, beautiful 5,000-word gush fest, um, which is great. And so when Travis and I approached that 165th minute, um, we got to it, we watched it, and it was sort of happening in sequence, and it fucking destroyed me. Like, I was just like, I almost couldn't talk, um, and Travis fortunately picked up the ball. But in the next uh, episode, which is the final pre-credits minute, with our four, maybe five guests, four, maybe five guests, um... Uh, I, I I unpacked the minute, the, the exact previous minute, and like I'm looking around the table, and some of these guys know who the guests are, and some of them don't. I decided to get a creator. I decided to get a critic. I decided to get a fan. I decided to get a friend, and so and maybe a fifth special guest on top of that to unpack the minute. So I feel almost like I got a chance to nearly lose my complete uh, mm. composure in the process of this show um, and then also uh, overcome that as part of this process. So if you guys are listening, you know that the creator is Phil Hay, co-writer of The Destroyer, partner of Karen Kusama, uh, co-writer of a movie that I think is deeply underrated, R.I.P.D. Um, um, the Invitation... Uh, and he came on the show. Phil did something for me. He uh, he told one of his friends about the show. His friend Christopher Nolan. Heard of him? Apparently. Man rings a bell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah didn't he have something to do with Aquaman? Yeah. yeah. His brother did Westworld. Yeah. Oh, That's, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, That's it. Jonathan Nolan's yeah. brother. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. How yeah, was yeah, yeah. 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 He must be one of those like you know, minor brothers, like Luke Hemsworth. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he thinks the show's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, so that's that that was nice. Yeah. Um, Chris Tapley, uh, Christopher Tapley, who's yeah. one of the best uh, awards pundits, working for about the last eighteen years for Variety, who is now we got to ex- be an exclusive. He's a recovering journalist. He's quit Variety. Mm. He's now moved on to filmmaking himself. Good for him. Had lovely things to say about you, Mister Franklin. Oh, he's a great um, guy. He's he's absolutely wonderful. I had John Glynn, who's been a tremendous supporter and fan of One Heat Minute this entire way through, um, has been sending emails every every week and has just been amazing. And now we're in constant text contact. And I, I love you, John. Thank you for being a part of the show. And then, look, 
I had to bookend the show <laughs> with uh, one of the Pelicans sitting across from me. No, it's not Mr. Luke Buckmaster. I also had... <laughs> this time. <laughs> I had, not this time. I had Stu Coop come on because I felt like that it was fitting that at the end of the show, you would hear the guy who helped me start it. Um, and so Stu got to come on and we had to, a, a really tremendous time talking. And the, only, Matt, the only thing we missed out was actually our callback back to our... Back to the statue of the the third minute. Yeah. We didn't really bring that up. We didn't bring it up. Like I the... could listen to you guys just read the dictionary. Mm. Uh, presumably <laughs> there'd be some argument about which word and you'd alternate, which that would be wonderful. But I could listen to you guys read the dictionary, read the Bible, read the encyclopedia. In the beginning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that really the first word? <laughs> no, is it the first word? No. I think it's a galaxy far, far away. Uh, <laughs> long, long time ago <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It says Genesis in big yellow. Oh, <laughs> like, yes. Yes. And maybe, just maybe before this episode, and I kind of wished that maybe that special fifth guest had happened so that we could be reacting to it. Maybe I'll put an addendum. If you're listening to this right now, there's four guests and the show ends. Yep. There's been four guests in the final minute. And if not, when I do the little close here, there'll be a dot, dot, dot. There'll be a slight ellipses, a pause, and then I'll just be recording on an iPhone <laughs> with much worse quality at the Sydney Film Festival with these three guys, probably with a few drinks under our belts. And you guys will know that this has happened. There's yes. a fifth guest. Who would you think the fifth guest should be to close out the film? Oh, well, you're, you're looking at me. Obviously. I'm looking at Luke Buckmaster. <laughs> uh, well, I, 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 a double, a clone of yourself would would be great. Yeah. If, if if I could listen to you talking, Blake, for hours and hours <laughs> and days and days, I don't want to cut you out, Stuart. No, <laughs> so but but, it'd be an odd use of the technology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we yeah. finally get to cloning, yeah. and they go, "What's the first use?" So we Podcast. don't like. Going to harvest the organs? Are we going to do stuff? Are we going to podcast? Podcast, and not just a podcast. He's going to be a guest for the final episode his on his podcast. Oh, look, it's crazy and, enough to work. There you go. Thanks for coming on, mate. Oh, what do you mean? You came on my show? No, no, no. Oh, wait a minute. Which one was first? Oh, I've, got much, I've got as much. I've got as much right to yours. Novel yeah. I read a long time ago. It's Sounds like a razor in the worst way possible. Yeah. With Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, mine would be uh, your wife. Oh. Mm. Wow! Yeah, that, that's the classy we are answer. Hanging out for that. Yeah. 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 Look, I look. Wonderful I episode. would just say this episode, if you're listening, is officially the 167th minute of Michael Mann's 1995 crime opus. But it's not. It was going to be credits, but this is kind of. Yeah. This is these guys back together. It's a stocking micro- filler. This is a stocking filler. So right now there may be. Are we stocking filler? Aren't we? is the good stuff. But why? Depends what kind of filler, filler then. I guess. Why call it filler? Not some sort of lovely We're little surprises. Surprise. We're surprises in the we're like. You know, we're made, I don't think we're the main present. Oh, you're saying so? We're, we're not like, like you know cotton fluff, whatever. No, like the stocking filler, like at Christmas, you just have oh, a little stocking. Okay, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. we're not the main present, which yeah, is I think we're not a PlayStation. No, but we might be like a little. You like, might be a ga- you might be Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. Yeah. The word filler. It sounds. I can like live with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure the word filler is right. <laughs> stuffer, stocking stuffer. It doesn't sound right either. Yeah, okay. yeah stocking it's... surprise. <laughs> that doesn't sound right either. Stocking surprise sounds. Like, yeah, it sounds like a cool. It's like yeah, a small bar. I would, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. look if there is the fifth guest. Yes. If there's the fifth guest, yes. then my wife will be on the show. Yeah. If, if there's not, that would be a sixth also. Mm. 
No, she she also come on for a bonus episode. There's a fifth. There's a sixth. <laughs> yeah, true. Bonus. True. This Look, must be confusing for people listening. Yes, to <laughs> for their first show. Yeah, for their first show. Yeah. 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 If they actually, I do have one other thing. If there is a guest I would like you to interview, it would be yourself. And it would be... Yeah, we just did that. The yeah, clone. No, no, no. The no, clone no. thing. Yeah, no, the, the clone thing. thing. Um, that was before more, the Speak more to this. It's like, you know, you've, you have been doing this for two years as pretty much almost like a part-time job, I would guess, in many ways. Um, just the hours you put into this thing. Mm-hmm. Since, you know, two years ago, three of us in, on this particular podcast we're in a hotel room, very lubricated, and in fun ways. And um, then, we had some, then we had some drinks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and it came up with this crazy thing, which you ended up bashing out, and you've devoted a huge part of your life to. And I know, as someone who's known you for many years, this has been this film has been such a passion for you. Yeah. And it has been so rewarding to see you devote yourself to a, a passion as a or sort of vocation, really. Thank you. Um and it's just been wonderful. I, 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 <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, it's been a privilege to be a part of oh, it. It's a hell of an effort. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's amazing. I think it's. Speaking as a self-centered prick, if we're stopping filler, I mean, I don't think I've done as, as I said on the, the last time I was on, Luke said Blake would never make it. Yeah. <laughs> and I used to say, no, give him a chance. He'd go, no, I'm not. I don't yeah, the time before that, she said he's never going to do it. And I said, no, he will. So, yeah, I will. Said, yeah, he says, you cut him some slack. Yeah, cut him some slack, too. Are you talking about you remembering yourself? Or am I stupid now? I don't think either of us were <laughs> asking. Yeah, no, neither of us. Stu- no, you're stupid. <laughs> Back in the pieces. Hang on. Wait a minute. No, it's been. This has been. Yeah. I, don't, I actually don't want it to end. No. Look, speaking as the self centered prick, um, I've put probably more energy into this than I think any of my other friends endeavors <laughs> yeah. to be frankly honest you're, you're, uh, but you have the ability to get you enlist people and help people with this look I at least try and feed you great. I yeah, like yeah. try and keep you fed <laughs> often plied with booze uh, and it, comfortable I don't it's been wonderful either. and it's been inspiring it, and it's they, been great can we do bonus features for example I mean we can do, we can <laughs> no. do, do we, what, are you what, saying what, do we do deleted podcasts I'm making like deleted your, episodes I'm making you a promise no I mean bonus features from of the, the disc like do we do like yeah so we can go through each minute of that. That'll, that'll, yeah, give, us, that'll, that'll give us another 20 stocking fillers. Well, <laughs> is, there, is there an audio commentary? There is. We might have to do well, the we'll movie again. It. We'll talk over it. No, we do one minute per time of the oh, audio commentary. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah we can do that. <laughs> so firstly... From, we're not yeah, even no, halfway there. We haven't even begun. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even finished the, the yeah. movie properly. So firstly, no. That's not happening. But what I did, I will make a promise, and this is the promise I made to Reed Coleman. Reed and Michael Mann are collaborating on the Heat prequel novel. And the goal is, well, if it's good enough and people like it and it's got the market, then maybe it's a good script. And maybe it's a maybe it's a novel that is adapted into a script and then maybe it's a script that's being able to be made into a film and they bring, you know, some of the original cast back because it is a both prequel and sequel, so bringing in an, an awesome prequel cast of, you know, recasting some of those original well, once, titles. Once we see how the Irishman looks. Potentially, it, you know, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't know, it could, yeah. could happen uh, with some technology or, uh, you know, my dream is, you know, a John Bernthal as Robert De Niro and Oscar Isaac as a young uh, Al Pacino and, uh, and, you, and you just, <laughs> yeah. and, and you bring those guys and some other wonderful, you know, up and coming actors and you, you go nuts or even earlier, get younger guys if that's the, how you want to play it. Um, uh, you know, we saw it, you know, I, I think I like the re- I personally like the recast because I like what you can do with a recast. Um, you know, a la Moonlight, I love that. But um, uh, I would just say, yeah, if they do a prequel, this show comes back. What would the title be called? Warm? 
Semi hot. <laughs> Come on, I mean, it's got to be temperature related, doesn't it? More heat. More less. No, no, but it's less. Yeah, it has to, oh, you it's, have to warm up to the yeah. heat. Uh, I assume right. the spin-off so would be humidity. 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 Hot. Like, no, no, that's like a sequel. Heat hot. Heat hot. Uh, no, hot's like heat. No, hot's the uh, no, Spanish cool. remake. I don't know because the title is. Cool. It's really It'll hard be... to get the title. No, it's a sequel and a prequel. So it'd be cool and hot. Hot and cool. Hot and cold. No, but yeah, no, because you're cool before the heat. Do it like aliens. So it's eat. The title, yeah. the, title, the title is very different. Well, no, I thought... Well, we don't have to... We don't have to, we don't have to figure it out. That, that yeah, is true. Yeah. We don't have to... Or but if the show... If no, the, but we'll get a, we'll I, get a whiteboard I, in I here would, and we'll start I, knocking I would just, I would just say, yeah. if, if, it's, if it's this show, it just stays as one heat minute and we just tackle the prequel. Like, whatever the title is, it's one heat minute, blah, and then the episode title. Heat 2, Climate Control. Listen, there are no bad <laughs> ideas <laughs> in brainstorming. <laughs> We also don't say no to anyone. I know, I, I, but there are going to be some we use, <laughs> and others we don't. I do. Uh, my favorite. That one, I had to say that was a bad idea. Yeah, an example bad idea. of a bad. If we had to set a base, we had to. Yeah, we won't. No, we wouldn't because we're not that type of people. We're not. My favorite. Like, my favorite is your uh, your gay porn parody title. Huh? Meat. 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 Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Meat is good. I do. I do like meat. But <laughs> you can imagine this scene. This scene, indeed. Um, it's filmed in a cubicle. So. <laughs> Are they talking? I don't about want no regular different cubicles. Yeah. I don't want no regular type sex life. Neither do I. <laughs> Brother, you are going down. <laughs> I, I thought I already was. I'd love to see a dramatically convincing scene between two people in the same cubicle. Yeah, be tense. Have, have you seen mm. that? I can't remember seeing that. What? I've seen about eight, I've seen eight guys in the same cubicle in Raid Two. Yeah, you know, we had three people in. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. They yes. had three guys yes. in That's not so much a dialogue exchange. Yeah. More of a, Sense8 had about 12 people so. having an orgy in a cubicle. Again, not so much a dialogue exchange. <laughs> yeah. a fluid exchange. Not a fluid exchange. Yeah. It, was, it was impeccably shot. Yeah, Wachowskis, many, what do you expect? Not many uh, cubicle comes to mind. No. No, it's almost like it's an underserved... You need more I cubicle? Genre? I yeah. Maybe it's not a genre. So the maybe like phone. Booth. I gotta have more like, cubicle. Yeah, cubicle. You're in there. Although uh, <laughs> in the phone booth, he, there was only one person in the phone booth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There well, you go. There's yeah. an idea for a movie. You set it entirely within a toilet cubicle. Yeah, yeah. Like, like contained thriller. Bowel movement. I think it could be hit. <laughs> <laughs> too much. Well, define too much. <laughs> define too much. Any, any, in any. A movie, any. And well, so here that's what you do. The guy sits down in the toilet and it's wired to a bomb. I don't know what that was. <laughs> oh yeah, well I guess we had le- we had lethal weapon too. Yeah, that's yeah, that's he was true. Yeah, yeah. But that was not a cubicle. No, that was, that was a home toilet. Bathroom, just a standard home toilet. But they got a weird bar. The Murtars have a weird bathroom setup anyway. They have a weird. Uh, like they come family. in, and the whole family storms in while Dad's in the bath. Yeah, in the yeah. bath regularly. Just, yeah, to bring him his thing, and they yeah. like stare at his junk. They yeah. threw a face washer on it. <laughs> you think that's covering Murtars <laughs> <laughs> junk? <laughs> At least pitching but that's a tent. Only, it's no, that's the second like, one they did that. No, that was the third one. They first, did the third no, one. First no, one. not the first one. They don't throw. They don't throw anything. Over. No, I just rewatched the third one the other day. Yeah, they, it's the third one. They yeah. throws the oh, little towel. Over yeah, there. not in the first one. It's no. like it's mm. just come one, come all. Yeah, oh, oh, I think bathing is a private experience, and not in the Murtagh <laughs> household. No, just in my own. How did we get here? Is my question. Look, you got the Lord of the Tangents here. These two. I was keeping us on the straight and narrow. 
I'm talking about ketchup bottles and upmarket diners. Stocking fillers. <laughs> Easy financing. Hey. It's been a blast. Mm, thank you all. Um, the most creatively rewarding and fruitful experience of my entire life. And uh, your all three of you, your time is invaluable. And I just want to say thank you because you've dedicated so much of it to me. And every time that I've asked, you've all been there. And uh, it's been amazing. And even just encouraging texts and support and just actually helping me push this locomotive into into um uh, into motion um it's it's just been incredible so i just want to say thank you because i i uh i like vincent hannah right now i'm sort of staring off into the mid distance and not knowing what to do because i have slayed my neil mccauley i'm here and i think that's why it's my favorite scene because like now right now in my life this might have been my favorite scene there might have been other scenes in this movie that i can deeply appreciate but um i have the unbelievably unique experience of watching this movie and hearing countless voices in my head unpack every single frame of it and um, some of those voices prominent voices are you three and I love you all and we need to send you to a psycho ward no? and, uh, <laughs> yes I love you all and when I do go to the psycho ward please get Joaquin Phoenix from Inherent Vice to break me out um, and uh, occasionally have Owen Wilson in a, in a chant circle that can chant the fuck um, and uh <laughs> Thank you so much, and uh, I'll uh, once the the next project is decided, uh, um, folks will hear about it. But I'm going to keep that pretty close to my chest this, this minute, and uh, and I'm sure if it's ready, there'll be a trailer at the end of this series. So please don't take Babe Pig in the City. I want the one no. That's yours. That's all yours. Thank that's you. that is yours. <laughs> I'm going to produce it, but it's all yours, Mr. Right. Buckmaster. That's totally that's totally fine. And you know I'm not joking. I know. I'm in. I'm babe, all in. Babe Pig by the minute. Hey, yeah. picking a picking a blanket? No, sorry, uh, that's that's food. Um, all right, so that's it. There's no more one heat minute with these three gentlemen. They've been amazing. If you guys listen to the live episode, you might hear them bang for blood in the background and heckling. <laughs> Bless them. We will heckle. Oh yes, <laughs> oh, a million My percent. God, we'll heckle. <laughs> oh, I. Yeah, it's going to be pretty. We're probably going to be bloody late. and brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of dirt's going to be thrown. Yeah. Thank Bye you. Be a couple of like, all day refs, like yelling out that one. But then we, you abuse the ref. Yeah, oh yeah. That's the secret. You sh- secret get into the ref. <laughs> Target the ref. My favourite line to a ref is fire up, touchy, big unit. Um, <laughs> especially the shorter the touch judge, the better. Thank you, Mr. Uh, Luke Buckmaster, amazing critic for Guardian, Crikey, editor of flicks.com.au. He's amazing. Read his stuff. Find him on Twitter, Mr. Luke Buckmaster. Stu. Underscore watchers is Stu Coot, the legend behind Cinephiles and such a, an amazingly huge part of this show. And finally, at Dark Horizons, darkhorizons.com, one of the OG trailblazer internet sites and the fucking man machine T1000 Garth Franklin who writes more articles than almost any publication in Australia. I don't care if they've got 20 staff, this mofo, he's the one literally outriding them. Um, I love you all. You're all dear to me. And thank you for doing the show. And uh, there'll only be a few more one eight minutes left, so for one of the last times, catch you on another episode of One Eight Minute just around the corner.